the Monch Hours podcast, where our mission is to appreciate all things anime manga. I'm your host, Hanzi, and I'm here with my co-host, Jordan, Grandmaster Jay, who is not on the screen currently, for because you know what? It's just that's the way it goes. But Jordan, what's going on? Let me see if I can get you up here in a minute. I don't know where you went. You gonna do me like that? This guy's hiding me. So what happens when he goes on vacation? This guy just loses all gotcha. it's, respects uh, as a producer. <laughs> it's freaking it's Streamlabs, man. Like all my settings got like wonked, and I had to go through it. Like you're here, but I just had yeah. to click on the thing. It was weird. But we're back. We got transmission is up, ready to rock and roll. Wearing the all white today, man. It's a white out. You're like blending with the walls. I can only see your facial hair. That's it. Just a pudding, just beard. A shitty by, beard. Uh, apparently, October came early. Halloween's here. We're joined by Casper, the friendly ghost. <laughs> no, it's almost no, no. spooky season. Spooky, so. spooky. Um, but no, yeah, today we're talking about all things cyberpunk edge runners. We're dedicating the episode to it, which is a brand new series that just dropped earlier this week on Tuesday. Uh, Netflix in partnership with CD Projekt Red and Trigger to make this amazing anime. So we're going to be talking about that. So if you haven't seen it yet and you are worried about spoilers, then definitely this is the episode to not watch till you've seen it. Yeah, you might be thinking, whoa, is this guy really telling me not to watch his content? I am, dude. You can catch his content later. Free your mind. Enjoy the show. No spoilers. But... We'll be back as soon as we cue the intro, baby. Let's go. Oh, wait. I gotta crack a cold one. <laughs> it's Friday. Let's do it. Hey. All right. Now it's time for the. From the deepest reaches of space, the boys are back in town. Thank you so much. Best of And we've got an all new lineup. But more importantly, we have a show to run. Welcome to Two to the Munch Hours Podcast. All right, we're back. As you know, we got a fresh week, so we got a fresh brew. Jay, what are you sipping on? Bro, I got the moon juice because we go into the moon, baby, just like Lucy wanted. Oh, damn. You oh. got the Santam. He's already on the moon. This guy is... What? I did not expect that. Jay's coming in today. I'm, I'm that is... Cheers. Cheers to that. That is, that is deserving of an applause there. All right. Man, I love it. Going to the moon. I didn't have that much foresight. All I'm drinking is a hazy IPA. Uh, from a Made West local here. Uh, actually, I think this is VCB. No, it's Made West. It's Made West. Uh, here in Ventura County. So cheers to the freaking weekend, baby. And cheers to Cyberpunk Edge Runners. Got the moon juice, man. That's crazy. I Pretty had soon. to, bro. It, didn't, I, it wasn't intentional. It kind of just played out perfectly. <laughs> oh, hey, I appreciate it. Pretty soon you'll be feeling uh, as light as a feather if you drink enough of those. You got moon gravity, son. Oh yeah, dude. That's the goal. Moving in slow Friday, motion. Baby. Just like Hans every fourth of July. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> but uh let's jump into this year. So as you guys know, we talked about earlier, uh, if you're just jumping in for the first time, check us out. Of course, if you're watching this live, you can check us out on Spotify at Monch Hours episodes every other week, every other Friday. But if you're watching this or listening to this on Spotify, Check us out while we do live recordings. Uh, it's going to be every other Friday, same time, 7 Pacific, uh, 7 p.m. Pacific time on Twitch and YouTube. Just search uh, Hanzi. That's where the live Hans or Hanzi. That's where the live streams go. Uh, Hanzi, yeah. Then I take them up and then record them on upload them onto YouTube under the Monch Hours. So it's kind of like a, a pipeline. You got the lives on Hanzi and then the recordings on Monch Hours. Asanat in the chat. We have Mobch Mobbers already in the chat. Shout out to Ghost Ivy. Shout out to Asanat47. He says the Raiders hat with the sicky face. I know, dude. I know. We can't. Hey, he's, he's a California native. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? But 
back to the task at hand, cyberpunk edge runners. Jay, give me give me one give me a sentence or a word. What'd you think of Cyberpunk Edge Runners? Eh. I can't tell if that's sarcasm or is that actually what he <laughs> I was gonna make you sit in it. Yeah, it's this guy's the got, worst. He's got time today. This, Jay's got time today, man. Oh, that's the worst for any uh, any uh, audio medium. Just sitting in silence. But no, definitely not, Matt. Uh, one word. Ah, dude, awesome. I don't know. Ooh, I can't just awesome. sum it down to one word. There's a uh, style. I'm. Stylistic, bombastic, Stylistic, yeah. extreme, bombastic. spunky, emotional. A Honestly, lot. There's a, a lot. lot. And I love, maybe love. <laughs> I don't oh. know. Okay, I'll take it. You know, I will say Cyberpunk Edge Runners is everything I wanted Cyberpunk 2077 to be and more. But for those of us that are just joining and don't really know what cyberpunk is, we'll kind of I'll kind of break it down to you. So let's start off here at the start. So why are we talking about cyberpunk edge runners? Actually, prior to that, there's just a genre called cyberpunk. What is cyberpunk? It's a subgenre of science fiction, usually taking place in a dystopian, futuristic setting that tends to focus on a combination of like low life, low, you know, poverty and high tech. Featuring futuristic technology and scientific achievement, such as artificial intelligence, cybernetics, juxtaposed with social societal collapse, dystopia, or decay. That is straight from Wikipedia. I couldn't have said it better myself. Hey, I donate to Wikipedia, so I think I can I think I can quote them from time to time. But that is typically what you find in the cyberpunk genre. Usually writers tend to use elements from crime fiction, particularly hard-boiled detective fiction in a film noir maybe postmodern prose describe an often nihilistic underground side of electronic society so while you know people always push tech as like the how we get to like a perfect society a utopia you know puts all your worries away cyberpunk really sees that as the exact opposite and you can often say that we are currently living in somewhat of a cyberpunk society especially now with the sudden boom of ai that technology is being used against us and often creating much more of a rift between, you know, uh, class, between structure, many of things that kind of depict society. I mean, just recently I saw a guy came out with an AI that allows you to plug your selfie into a program and the program will find the like street camera where you took the selfie and show you like where you took it's crazy it's crazy so typically you know cyberpunk is really not of that perfect utopia it's more of that dystopia as we mentioned where did cyberpunk start how did it start usually began appearing uh pretty early on i would say as far back as like the 1940s 1950s uh maybe in 1981 is kind of where you know we saw that come come to come to light even appearing comics such as you know as early as judge dread and that was first published in 1977 which if you're looking for a good cyberpunk film in general judge dread phenomenal one of my favorites of course you have blade runner which is the state which is the go-to you have both the uh the old one with uh what's his name uh han solo i forget his name board who Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford, thank you. Or the new one with uh, Pretty Boy Ryan Gosling. So those are some movies you can check out that remind you cyberpunk. Other shows you might have seen, Altered Carbon is cyberpunk. Hey, if you like anime and you've either read or watched Akira, that's cyberpunk. Psychopaths, cyberpunk. So a lot of things people consume in media are oftentimes cyberpunk, even though they don't really know what that genre is. It, it's a very popular it's very big and it's loved by those especially diehard fans so that is kind of the little basis of what exactly cyberpunk is as a whole cyberpunk edge runners not to be used just cyberpunk pretty much tells you like this is a cyberpunk series and it's it's a standalone 10 episodes 10 episode story about a street kid street kid named david who's trying to survive in a technology and body modification obsessed city of the future called night city Having everything to lose, he chooses to stay alive by becoming an edge runner, a mercenary outlaw also known as a cyberpunk. Bam, 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 bam. Cyberpunk edge runners. 
beautifully put. I'm waiting for my applause. Where's my, where are my loyal subjects? Where are my loyal subjects? Uh, no. Um, so yeah, man. So, I mean, I guess I would ask you if you have your earliest memory of, of anything cyberpunk. Uh, my earliest memory, I mean, like many people, uh, for anime at least, it's either, yeah. I'd say uh, Akira. Okay. But it could also be, uh, it could also be Ghost in the Shell. I'm not sure which one I saw first, but I want to mm -hmm. say Akira. And then, I mean, you I, mean I probably saw... I mean, Gundam is kind of... You consider Gundam? It's, if you, I mean, it's, a, it's very warish, but technology, there's class, warring classes, the poor Earth, upscale Mars. I guess... I guess I never thought about Gundam as could cyberpunk. Could be, could be. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, we're going full tech, full mech on that one. Yeah. But I, I, I'll i go with uh, Akira, I'd say. And uh, I don't know. There's always been something about the, the genre that it just draws you in. It's, it might be the, the fact that we put so much like emphasis on like technology being our savior yeah when in reality as we all learn like it doesn't it might it might bring more problems than it fixes mm -hmm. you know you look at like just something like social media you're like sweet i'll never be alone and then people feel more alone than ever because of it and that's just like on the small scale compared to what uh, these shows and movies, what they deal with, and then it makes you start thinking like, oh shit, like technology isn't like really the end all be all that we might think of it as. Selling, fully changing your your human form and, and adding these aug augmented parts is that really the smart move? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, shit. Personally, I'm for it, man. I'm for I'm for cybernetics, man. I'll go I'll go straight chrome to my dome. I don't care. But no, I think I'm very similar to kind of my first introduction would be Ghost in the Shell. And again, a lot of times that like we mentioned, we don't even know we're watching Cyberpunk when we first get introduced to it. I mean, it could have been. It wasn't Blade Runner. I actually didn't watch Blade Runner until later in life, uh, much much after I was already in love with Cyberpunk. I mean, it goes it goes far. Like I said, there's a lot of publications, there's a lot of shows, a lot of mediums that often have a very great cyberpunk theme to it very solid foundation that we just weren't aware of until we oh shit this is a genre and we automatically love it and i think that's where cyberpunk um edge runners really kind of takes takes the cake home for me uh just in a general sense is like the themes of cyberpunk is so concrete in this series that it's it's just like from the moment you start, you get you, you get everything you need to know. Episode one tells you everything you need to know, even if you've never seen the cyberpunk show. And with that, I will say that because of that, it's because it's built on this foundation of cyberpunk, whether it be 2022, 2077. Mike Pondsmith's creation of this cyberpunk story he created is just super solid. So they had a lot to go off of and they had a lot to build off of to create this beautiful series which we've watched right now that's only 10 episodes but nonetheless it's it's a 10 episodes that really drew me in and it's one that makes you put your phone down and just sucks you into the show um one thing you hear me mention right now is this is a uh, a story or this is a ip that was created by mike pondsmith so if you haven't played some thought watching uh, you have to have played cyberpunk 2077 since it does take place in the same universe you do not and i'm glad jay was able to watch this and as me who's played it jay who hasn't played it you get the straight difference right there so it's pretty good you have two perspectives from from this moving forward so we can give our thoughts into that jay is there anything you felt like oh i don't know i may have missed something that the game could provide it to you or did you feel that edge runners was able to give you the full story without a hitch yeah so as you mentioned like i did not play the game i never played the the tabletop correct it's tabletop tabletop and yeah initially yeah so i have no experience in this world but it being a an ip based off of an already established genre 
which uh, it doesn't go out of the way to add anything. If you have like a, a basis of what cyberpunk as a genre is, you can pretty much gather through the context that it provides all the information you need. You know, there's stuff that you might not understand like right away, but just as the story and the world just progresses, imagery and whatnot, you start to gather like there's a sickness that you can get from cybernetics and it mm-hmm. it doesn't uh, beat it over your head with it, but you're just able to gather it through just the world building. And like it, it basically it plays with the, the tools that are in the the cyberpunk genre very well and you don't miss anything coming from like ground zero no no background in in this uh, IP so it, it did a brilliant job just introducing new people myself to this world and really just putting its hooks in you it really made me actually want to play the game. I was like, "Shit, I want to be getting augmented and <laughs> going <laughs> going in on this shit." But yeah, no, I think it did a really good job, probably playing towards uh, a wider audience, not just the, the fans that the IP audience has established. That's great to hear. Uh, I, I'm really excited to hear that because that was a worry of mine. Even though I knew that it wasn't be an issue, I was just really f- kind of worried that maybe some nuances would, would be missed but i think going into it what you got as you know the full-fledged story i got that too but things i heard maybe like little callbacks or nuances or easter eggs to the game itself one being you know the just the ui that when we first first introduced to lucy and she's hacking you know the car from within the car that hacking ui interface is the same exact one that's in the game phone calls that come up i got me looking i'm freaking pavlov they got me looking at the side of the screen when i'm watching the show because that's what happens in game that that same sound go doo-doo-doo, and i look in the side and get an answer the call but it's happening in game there's so many so many kind of uh just the settings everything i just trigger man and and this is what trigger does is is they have a project and they just succeed all expectations if you're not familiar with studio trigger maybe you've seen some of the shows Gurren Lagan, Kill a Kill, Movie Premiere, Brand New Animal, Little Witch Academia, just name a few solid, solid shows. And we got another super solid show. Very flashy, very stylistic in Cyberpunk Edge Runners fulfills that to a next level, I would say. Even with that sick intro, that intro was like simplistic yet booming. I loved it. And of course, with Franz Faradhan, which I didn't <laughs> expect to have on the soundtrack, nonetheless, but. I think everything from the get-go, Cyberpunk Edge Runners really sets it up foundation-wise. Even like you mentioned, Jay, the Cyber Psychosis. I'm by a particular fan of Cyber Psychosis. There's an excellent side story questline in 2077 that was all around Cyber Psychosis. And just, you know, when people go full chrome and how you lose your sense of humanity, really kind of just spoke to me, connected to me in some sense, and I was really intrigued by that story. So seeing it in Edge Runners be played out the way it did just man kiss chef's kiss chef's kiss all the way uh so we talked about the theme we talked about the general start of it let's talk a little bit about the characters we first introduced to david martinez who is i think i think he's at, at the uh, around the age of 17 years old does an old father his mom is a is a part of you know some emt he grew up in the streets of santa domingo uh and he is pretty much what you expect you know your typical teenage kid growing up in that situation trying to make the best of his best of his life but being pushed to certain uh certain breakpoints what do you think of david man as a character as a main antagonist i thought he was a good character i enjoyed uh the character growth and i mean 10 episodes it's not a lot of time to really flesh out like a character but i feel like they did a good job of introducing you and not just bogging down the story with building this character they did it in a a well-paced way to the point where you know i enjoyed who he was and 
the internal conflicts and everything that he had going on, I I found uh, that he wasn't like a a main character that just grinds on you. He's someone that you you're rooting for almost, and you're pulling for him to succeed in his goals as the story progresses. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with everything you say. I, I felt very attached to him uh, very early. And again, like we're talking about the two perspectives, me going into cyberpunk and kind of knowing his outcome already, um, I still was attached to it. And again, this very spoiler territory here, this is, we're talking about if you've already seen the show. So if you haven't seen the show, we're gonna talk about some stuff right now where it will ruin it for you. Uh, maybe not. So what, I, what I'm kind of alluding to here is David Martinez. There's actually a drink in the game at the afterlife bar which this crew uh kind of frequents that uh oh hey tommy tamula wait i think your chat came in right here also on the multi-stream chat so i see it on youtube um yeah we'll get to that i'm gonna I'm I'm get to your comment here in a second uh afterlife where was i the drink where pretty much dictates you know go out with the bang live life as david did and he has his own little drink you know pretty much portraying the story that he lives and he dies so going into the show i knew how it was going to happen i knew how it was going to get there but it still hit me super hard and i want to say i would like to argue that even though i knew it was happening it almost made me connect more to david of his tragic story knowing where it would lead to on his mission to to do what his mom wanted to do to do what Maine wanted to, him to do to become legend become a cyberpunk tommy Tumula on YouTube says, what if David's still alive in the relic on Arasaka underground? That's a very good point, man. I mean, Ad the Smasher did tell him he could become a pretty fun construct, but I think that is, you know, more so our fans of Cyberpunk that have played the game and they're super delved into just that Cyberpunk 2022-2077 storyline. Yes, that's huge. I would love to hear that discussion, especially with other uh, fellow Cyberpunkers. Um, but yeah, that's that's a great take. And so David Martinez, great antagonist, made me connect with him. And at the end, man, I just it was so heartfelt, and it was very hard for me to kind of get choked up and watch. It was essentially his final bout with Adam Smasher. Yeah, I hear you. I I, I remember you had mentioned something about there being a drink about him and that uh, being foreshadowing, like him not making it before even watching it and like as i was watching i think i was in denial i was like ah he doesn't know what he's talking about <laughs> even <laughs> though you have more of a uh, attachment to the ip than me but i think i was able to like hold on to hope and not even contemplate that he isn't gonna make it the whole time i was like it'll work out in the end right and it made it emotional come to the end when it didn't play out how I was hoping it would. But it, you got a little tugged on the heartstrings at the end. So, I mean, it, it, it played out like it should. And uh, I should have listened to you from the get go instead of just uh, brushing aside all your comments. <laughs> yeah. But. It's not the first time. It's not the last time I'll do that, huh? <laughs> no, I mean, dude, it's I, it's perfect that you, you think that way. Like I said, we have two varying points of views or points of uh, entry here on this on this anime, on this series, so I'd love to hear that thought. Uh, what I will say is, you know, it's, it is cyberpunk, and usually it, these storylines are always very grim and dark, and there's not many survivors to, to tell the tale. Um, even the game, you know, uh, the game's been out for so long. The game is very much you're you're on a you're on a mission and you're you're not gonna make it. you're gonna die that it's very uh, similar stories very different out very oh I guess I'd say different stories same outcome in a sense. Um, what I love to see about David is kind of his journey into how much Chrome he got, uh, Chrome he got, and you know what from what he had he was at the start purely organic. Then he got that Sandy from Gloria, you know, his mom or what was left of her, which shout out, rest in peace, Gloria. That was a very great, very great introduction into just how fast things move in Cyberpunk. It's just like, oh, your mom died. Here you go. Boom. No time to mourn. On to the next, right? 
So he got that. We had like a very cool time skip about in episode seven where David goes from teenage kind of, you know, lanky build, almost like a runner into just bulked out, almost as big as Maine. Not quite, but fully chrome. Like I think the only organic part of him was like his internals and his face and brain. I did not expect that. I was like, holy shit, he's going full chrome. And it kind of stands to his ability of uh, to not neurally degrade when he has all these attachments. Yeah. Yeah, he, he went from a boy into just <laughs> just a juiced out, just Monkey looking boy. like a <laughs> yeah, just frat boy. boy just ape, dude. Literally <laughs> yeah. ape. Um, Lucy, uh, got, I'm pretty. I mean, Lucy got some mods. Uh, Lucy, uh, uh, yeah. I'll just leave it at that. Um, Tommy, and who was Rogue Contact at Space with Lucy? I would imagine so. I would imagine the game. I think 1.6 had mentions. The update 1.6 of the game had mentions of tie-ins from the anime into the game. I would fucking love that, Tommy. If they if they really tied everything together, I would do another replay immediately. Uh, immediately. Oh, I would do a replay immediately because I haven't replayed the game yet. I'm actually still at the last mission of the game. I did all the other side quests. I'm just at the last one. I just, I'm just there. Um, I just don't finish things. It's what I do. <laughs> I don't, I guess what I don't do, I don't finish things. Um, but speaking of David, speaking of, you know, his progression and all that, we'll, we'll kind of come to the end of the story and whatnot a little later. Just want to get to the characters. We're actually, we're actually introduced to his rag, uh, this ragtag team that puts him or essentially adopts him into this as he's just, you know, roaming around and whatnot. And that is, I don't think they really had a team, a team name, but the Mercs, oh no, they did have one. I forget what it was called. Um, because they had the green emblem. Do you remember what it was? I don't remember. Um, but leading uh, right uh, Maine, right? So we had Maine, Rebecca, Dorio, uh, Lucy, Kiwi, and Pillar were the first initial people that David met, their first initial edge runners, the first initial cyberpunks. Uh, and let's start with Maine, kind of his idol. He became his father figure, became his, you know, his pillar, his shield, his sword. Maine used to be a military soldier before he became a mercenary. Now, a veteran edge runner in Night City, Maine dreams of making it big. Although he values his friendship with his crew more than his old, his own glory. Maybe that's why I like Maine a lot. You, you, first, inter, first, you know, initial start of him, he's like, oh man, this guy's just a grift. He's grifty, he doesn't give a shit, he wants his money, and he's kind of pissed that Dave got that Sandy. Of course, then we have, you know, like the big old teddy bear kind of analogy where he's like hard skin, soft on the inside. And I just, I just grew to love Maine immensely. I think if I had a favorite, I've had a couple favorite characters. I'd probably be, Dave was awesome, but Maine and Rebecca for me personally are, are two of my favorite. What'd you think of Maine, Jay? How, how was he as a character to you? Uh, he was one of my top, or I'd say my two favorite characters, honestly. Mm -hmm. Uh... I just, uh, he, I don't know, he reminded me of uh, Jet from Cowboy Bebop. Yes, Just dude. that, <laughs> that's what I was just gathering, just that wise older figure, has a hard background, but isn't, is softer than the, what he puts out there. And I just love that, that character that uh, you have to peel back the layers and really get in there to really start to see how this uh this guy really is and you see how he just takes uh david under his wing right and is really trying to, to help him grow in this world like it's sort of a dog eat dog world and like Maine recognizes that and yeah he uh he like sees something in David that he wants to wants to help like uh, just foster like a, a a growth in I guess that's the best way I can put it is just he, he like you said he's a father figure and he's acting as such. You could say he's David's main point of growth. <laughs> No, nope, can't say that. No, no we won't say, say that. that. I said that. No, I, I said that. I said that. I said that. No, 
Um, but yeah, everything you said, I, I really enjoyed his character. I really enjoy how he was to David. And one thing is, it's interesting in Night City, even himself, like he, he's a guy to kind of like shoot first, ask questions later. But also on the other side of the coin, everyone in his crew gets their fair share. Everyone gets taken care of and he essentially becomes family to him. And seeing him and the way he went out in cyber in episode six, when he did go through cyber psychosis, but still maintained that was still able to maintain enough, um, I guess, thought or that part of him to recognize his family, to recognize those who were important to them and not attack them was pretty impactful to me. And those last yeah. moments with Maine, Dorio, and David, and essentially Maine giving Dorio and himself a Viking send-off, um, and David's face just like in pain was, I, w- I, I was thinking to myself as I watched that, I was like, I don't know if I could watch this part of this episode again. So it hit, it hit pretty hard. It was like, damn. Yeah, that whole situation was beautiful. Once you get to the end and see how everything wraps up, yeah, you see how you know Maine. He really loved like all of uh, these people he was close to, and there's moments where the cyber psychosis it it broke him, and he did like lash out and act in a way that he wouldn't, but. Then, like, David shows up and he was able to, like, recenter himself. Yeah. And then you see the same thing happen with David. So it was almost like David really did grow into being Maine. (laughs) He did. Yeah, he did. Just going full augmented and, yeah. And he still held his fist, man. man. I was really, there was, like, a very cool scene, you know, where Maine tells him, you can have my fist you know, when I go and then David does get this fist and then when he bulks up, he keeps his fist and then Doc's like, why do you still have those old fists, right? Gets him some new chrome. He's like, nah, I like these. I like this old model. It means a lot to me. It's just like, I love shit like that, man. Especially in this kind of world too, where like new chrome is everything. Maintaining that old chrome, especially one as, as prolific as Maine's really kind of spoke to me. I will say Maine's cyber psychosis was fucking awesome. Like, dude, there was that time where he just like, fucking splattered Tanaka's face across the freaking floor and then like he goes up to that guy and he's like just painted in blood I was like fuck that is insane beautiful gore in the series like we haven't talked about the gore yet this this series is gory I mean from the start watch it if it's too much for you get out because there's gonna be more of it fucking sick yeah, it's definitely gonna get worse <laughs> yeah Adorio was his lover i think she had a very she had cool moments i, I kind of wish he had more of her a little bit more of a backstory because she's seen while main was a father figure dorio was s- s- definitely the mother figure and you know me i love my muscular bound women so i would love to get more interesting i think she was super in, similar in, in terms of uh main where tough exterior soft inside and I think that's why this crew kind of happened to be how it was because, well, you have Maine, you also have Dorio, who's that second pillar of, of similar con- uh, values and, and honor. So I wish we had more of her. Um, yeah, I can't say much because she did have that that passing, but, you know, what it is what it is. But we have Dorio, and then, of course, there was Rebecca. And I'm going this order right now. David, Maine. Dorio and Rebecca because they all fill a certain role in the cyberpunk universe called the solo. What is solo? Pretty much they're they're just hired. They're not like super techie. You know, they don't have the hacks. They don't have like the super equipment that's super intricate. They do have Chrome, but pretty much they're hired hitmen, bodyguards, and mercenaries from right from the core. So they're very instinctive, right? They got a very got a knack for this kind of stuff. They have ability to perceive danger, notice traps, almost uncanny un earthly ability to avoid harm like they're just the guy they're the guy you know they're that guy they're that person they're that girl you want on your back they want with you because they know their shit rebecca is one of my favorite solos becca is just fucking awesome dude i can't say enough things about her when she was first introduced as a trailer i was like oh okay yeah spunky kid whatever got it as the story progressed i think she became one of my favorite characters because we have this what is 
typically shown as like maybe a lolly uh, who is just all pretty much all gas no brakes but she does have a soft side to her as well i mean we see everybody in this crew has a soft side to her and really takes david um a liking to david and becomes wholesome becomes adorable and you really cherish the friendship that is becca and david uh freaking love it dude what'd you think of becca I thought she was fun. She brought a uh, energy to to the team, and like you mentioned, like I had the same assumptions. Like, oh, that's all she's gonna be is this pure energy, which can start to become grinding in in stories. But like you mentioned, there's uh, like most of the characters in this, there's the layers, and she uh, she started the show that. She might have a tough exterior, but she also yeah. really cares about everyone she's working with. And she doesn't want to see uh, like bad outcomes come for any of them. She, I mean, she mentions to, to David how she can't see uh, the same, like what happened to her brother mm -hmm. happened to him. And like in a way that's her saying like he's a brother to her yeah family. in like a roundabout way yeah and like there's that, that's just a beautiful thing like you might put on this this act but when you're when push comes to shove like you don't want to she don't she don't want to see that any of these people get hurt and they're in a a tough world in a tough occupation where most likely everyone you know is gonna end up in a bad uh, a bad spot and she just didn't want to see that and there, there is something uh hopeful about her with her uh tough yeah. veneer it's it's funny there I, today i actually saw that cd project red actually pushed to take becca out of the show but trigger was like no the, the she has to stay she has to stay and I love it because Becca, while small, I don't really see her as a lolly as, as more of I see her uh, in, in like kind of what people consider a lolly. I can I see her more of a short, short person with a massive attitude, a big attitude and big guns to match. Fucking awesome character, man. Like just straight up, just it's just chaos incarnate, but directed chaos in in. Ah, man, fuck Adam Smasher, dude. She went out like a fucking champ, bro. She's like, we're getting to the end, right? We're getting to the end of the show. Becca's alive. Falco's alive. And you're like, okay, man, like one of them is going to go. Who the fuck is going to go? Because it's not, it can't be all three and Lucy. Like, and then she goes out like a fucking champ. Like, and I want to say her, shout out to her and Falco because they knew when David was going through his thing, he's like, we're going to get at top of Arasaka Tower and, uh, they they you know like all right let's do it david we're gonna we're gonna go we're gonna go out you know we're, we're seeing this through and i can't say enough good things about it man so such a, gr a great character that was a surprise x-factor character for me that really came to the top like if you told me excuse me one of my favorite characters from the trailer nah, i would have been like you're funny yeah yeah, you mentioned, so I, I said how Maine was one of my top two characters. Yeah. And based off of strictly, like, design and uh, just job, dude, Falco was my other favorite Falco's character. Falco's badass, dude. Falco was there wasn't There wasn't much uh, in sense of, like, backstory and, like, character building, but, dude, I just liked how he looked and just being the getaway driver i was like this dude's badass he's the driver man. he's got <laughs> yeah. the cowboy stash and becca kind of throws that at him and he's the driver uh -huh. he, you know what he does he knows how to do it well and we see it very well thought goes tight i mean am i biased because he has a sick mustache maybe maybe he's got that yeah, I, I was... arm he just ah, cowboy bro he's cowboy i was gonna text you i was gonna Hey, hey, Falco's got that Hanzi stash. <laughs> Dude, I'm about to cosplay that next anime. Bring it back. <laughs> you got to find a David. You got to jack up. You got to bulk up and be main, dude. You're tall enough. All right, I'll main up, bro. Main up. Let's team, go. Tommy says they put out Becca because everybody liked her. I mean, it's hard. It's not hard to see why everybody liked her. Um, but Falco, you know, I would. it'd be cool to see maybe more story, maybe a side story of Falco. Um, I feel like 
Well, at the same time, I say that, but I feel like Cyberpunk in this particular universe is done very well when you have the same setting, but a different story because it really fleshes out everything. Like more hatred for toward Arasaka, more hatred toward Militech. All these mega corpos are just fucking scum, man. And I see like, it's so relatable to the situation we live in now. Like, like fucking, I don't want to say shit. I don't know, whatever. Like fuck Nestle. I don't care. Fuck Nestle, dude. They're scum. You don't know what, why Nestle oh. is a piece of shit. Fuck Nestle. Look him up. Look up the water. Dude, they freaking... Just bought all the water. It's not a big they deal. They bought all the water. They got like this third world country addicted or uh, dependent on their like milk formula, baby formula, and then they jacked the prices up. Fuck that company. Fuck those corpos. Anyways, on to the next. Next up, of course, how can I not... How can, I, how can we not talk about Lucy? I would say, argue, one of the also other main antagonists... David's love interest and a very prolific character, both in all forms of the trailers and the series herself. What'd you think of Lucy? Oh, Zell, man. What's going on? When are we doing a Dune podcast? Whenever I finish the books, which is never. So check it later, son. No, thank you for coming in, man. Appreciate it. Lucy, Jay, what'd you think? Dude, I love Lucy. She, uh, if you love David, she kind of like their relationship it only, you can't like one without liking the other. They have like a, a great relationship. And I just love the the way they acted together and how they, uh, when you like watch them, they were really, as like a, a couple, they were really pulling for each other to yeah, like make each other's lives better just a little bit better in this shitty world that they lived in. And it was, a, in a way, it's just the whole series is like a beautiful love story that ends tragically. <laughs> it's like a Romeo and Juliet. No happy endings. But, uh, I love how just she had that simple dream of just going to the moon. <laughs> going and, to the moon, baby. And how she, uh, Early in in knowing David, and even though she might have been trying to play him, she brought him in on this dream. And it wasn't like it was a false dream that she had. She actually, that was something right. that she hadn't shared with anyone. And even though she might have had bad intentions initially, it was her kind of uh, showing like a different layer of herself that she might not have shown anyone else. Mm-hmm. And... It just uh, allows you to look at like the complexity of how of how she is as a character, as a person. How all of us are. We all have these different uh, facets of our lives that we might not show someone until we really are uh, feeling comfortable with them. And you see that she felt comfortable with David, even though she tried to play him. <laughs> she did. She felt comfortable to to show him that. Yeah. Uh, she yeah, had this string. Uh, yeah. yeah uh, Thank you so much for the, the re sub. Thanks for the prime sub. Wow. Look at me. I'm talking like a streamer. Thanks for the prime sub. Zell Gui. Auntie, come here. Auntie, come here. Auntie, come here. Auntie. There's a catchphrase for Zell. It'd be that. And that was fucking from uh, Squid Game or Crap Game so long ago. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate you stopping by. Uh, for real. Love you. Uh, but Lucy is a character for me. I, I, I would agree with most of what Jay says. I just, if there's one thing that I would want more of, it's Lucy in the second act being Lucy how she was in the first act. Lucy was had this unhinged charm to her. This, this not like it was, not similar to, to Becca's chaos, but more of like just this insanity that Lucy had and you see it in her eyes and I feel like she lost that uh, second season maybe she lost that because she found David and that would make sense but we did have moments of her you know protecting David in the way she was becoming this you know vigilante night runner this net runner uh, tying up all loose ends but it wasn't the same I just I always think back of when she lifted Dave from the trauma from the from the uh, ambulance and they were flying through the tunnel way between cars and she had no fear at all and i don't get that season two 
I felt like her performance is a little weaker, but again, probably in the fact that she was in love with David had something to protect and something to live for now. And that dream was now a reality. And oftentimes when you have, when you gain something, you lose something, maybe like that, just, yeah, you want to protect that. And she didn't have that before. So, but other than that, man, just straight up awesome character, very trigger like character. I will say that you can see like the red under their eyes too. Remind me of zero two from, from trigger, which was uh, darling the Franks. Uh, just awesome character. So you mentioned me here. I say Netrunner. Netrunners are essentially, they're the hackers of Night City. They're the hackers of the cyberpunks. They're the ones that not only, because most people can go into the net, they can inter interact with stuff. But these people have like the cyber chips in their brain. So they're when they're hacking, they're hacking like, you know, their brains are going in function too. Like they can interact with the internet, the net world. They're in there. They're living it. That's why when they get fried, they're usually dead. Like if somebody, if like, if, we saw David and, and Maine get fried and you know, they're good, whatever they're, they're great. But like these guys, Netrunners have the chips in their brain. So they got to really protect that stuff because they fry the brain fries. Also Netrunner Kiwi. Kiwi is interesting for me. I really enjoyed this character aesthetically. I thought she had a fucking badass design. I think she had a, just a badass personality and she she was that kind of like don't trust anyone in night city so i did expect her to have some form of betrayal which she did a slight redemption at the end but i don't hate her character i actually really enjoyed her character i thought it was great what do you think about kiwi yeah i you can hate her because of uh the decision she made but like you mentioned like i don't and she kind of makes up like for uh, that fatal decision that really fucked up everything. But it like showed that uh, she's like a flawed character and uh, she knew it at the end and she recognized it. And she recognized it the whole time. She Her whole mantra was don't trust anyone in Night City. And she- uh, She lived by she it. She lived it. And died <laughs> yeah. by it. Right uh-huh. And- I mean, it was unfortunate, but I mean, you can't hate her. I think ultimately at the end of it, everyone was out for their own gains and she might've taken it too far to a point where she betrayed all of her, mm -hmm. her friends, but, uh, she, uh, she recognized it at the last second and she just took it one step too far, but she did have a cool design and she kind of was like the mentor to Lucy yeah. in, in net running. And you see, uh, they had that little, little conversation and there's a little foreshadowing where she mentions she's the one that like says or told her never to trust anyone in night city. Yeah. And then her she final kind lesson. of, well, she, she, Lucy kind of, if I remember correctly, did trust her. <laughs> and that was, a. Uh, it backfired. Yeah, it's, it's hard not to trust someone who's your mentor, you know. Um, I think that when in, in David's introduction to the crew, I think that's what really brought everybody together um, into this family aspect. Because now they had, like, the baby brother, you know. Like, at least for me, and that was a step in the evolution of the crew to become, like, from ragtag mercenaries to... I mean, Maine was already headed in that direction, but I think David solidified it because then Maine had a little brother, you know, someone he can mentor and that really softened him up. It softened Dorio up. He softened Lucy up. He softened Becca up. You know, what didn't David soften up? Maybe a little Kiwi for what she did in the end. Maybe she was happy for Lucy and you know, Lucy's decision. Uh, next on the list, we have Pillar, who we didn't get much of Pillar. He actually got murked out. He got flatlined. That's AKA pretty much like someone died. Uh, bias are one of our first interactions with cyber of, of someone who had cyber psychosis and it was very quick it was instantaneous boom he's pretty much what you see in cyberpunk as a techie you know he's not really a hacker not just mauling and brawling he's he's got the tech he's got the weapons he's just like he's there you know he's got the chrome atom but i don't know i i get it i get what his character was for and i think it succeeded that driving the narrative showing us that Night City has loss, has risk, nothing is to be taken for granted. Um, 
comedic, yeah. Overall, I liked him as a character. I think he did it very well. I'll remember him. What about you? Uh, he was one of those characters I was like, all right, that's fine. Kill him. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't like his design. I didn't, I didn't care for uh, his character traits. Mostly his design, though. I didn't. I wasn't a fan of the long arms and the creepy hands. It's like, dude, just be proportioned properly. <laughs> yeah. His arms were too long, and his yeah, he had giant hands. Not a fan of that. Well, it was interesting. He had the long arms, and it's like that. Everyone kind of has their own little um, cybernetics, right? Their own kind of style when it comes to Chrome. You had. It's like you had a very good party when you have your solos right your mercs people are good with the guns they're good with instincts you have your hackers the net runners they're getting in the interfaces they're doing that you know this this net running stuff that no one else can do in real time or as fast they have your techies people who can like you know maybe they're you know they're working the guns they're working the high tech you know they got the equipment they have everything they need to to essentially make up a good party they know how to take stuff apart and they to put stuff together so they had like no weaknesses when showing this uh, initially without with the party so like i said pillar had his spot you got he got flatlined and then that was it and then i was like all right makes sense makes sense i was just kind of head up to the to the end of uh, the episode we definitely wanted oh such a tunes what's going on how you doing thanks for stopping by much appreciated we're talking about cyberpunk edge runners so feel free to if you've seen it stop by and chat with us Tommy says, do I think there'll be a season two? I think if there is a season two, it won't be about this crew. It'll be with a different crew. Like I said, there's so there's so much depth to this story that I'd much rather see a different crew in the same city, maybe in the same time. Uh, same time. Uh, there's just so much. There's so many more factions of like Arasaka, Militech, Biotech. Oh, Central Tunes really enjoyed it. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, we just, we're just talking about the characters now. We're talking about this kind of final crescendo. Um, so we get this last push. We get the betrayal by Kiwi. And then David, you know, gets the cyber skeleton, becomes pretty much this unstoppable force who unfortunately meets an immovable object known as Adam Smasher. What do you think of Adam Smasher, man? As the kind of the, the ending and Adam go hand in hand. Uh, Battery low. Besides his name, I thought he was cool. <laughs> I think Adam Smasher is probably <laughs> the lamest name I've ever heard. Adam Smasher. <laughs> uh, doesn't really fit even in like a like cyberpunk aesthetic. Adam Smasher? I don't know. But uh, I thought he was cool. You know, he. I think they even called him the boogeyman of Night City. And he kind of, there is mention of him early on, I think by, was it the doc? Yeah. Someone was talking about him. And you you start hearing, like, the that legend's being built. And then you're like, oh, who is this guy? And th then you, like, get context that he is kind of a, uh, a puppet for... for like one of the the corporations, I can't remember if they said it Arasaka. was who it was. Did they say initially that? Yeah, Arasaka, that oh, and, okay. and maybe this is some insight I had. Yeah, Arasaka is kind of his main employer, and it's for good reason because they pretty much saved his life. And he, he kind of a little backstory on a Smasher. Um, he was uh, pretty much reduced to nothing by a rocket blast, and Arasaka offered him a choice: either die or become a full body cyborg so he feels a little indebted indebted to arasaka for essentially saving his life so that's why he's kind of like their hound yeah gotcha. i thought he was cool though from the fact that uh he he kind of you see uh david with his uh that skeleton just smash like literally using the gravity to just put who knows how much gravity onto people to the point where they're just crushed into just blood on the ground just a splatter looking like when you smack a bug and adam smasher kind of throws shade at him like oh you have to rely on grab. this uh this grab weaponry 
it's like that's like child's play <laughs> and it, yeah you're like oh that's kind of cool like this overpowered technology is so easy to use for like your your benefit in combat that he thinks it's below him that he wants at least a little bit of uh skill to be tied into the things he does you're like oh, all right like there's respect in that i guess <laughs> if you're a mercenary and living that life like oh that's pretty cool and you see him like he doesn't have that that grav tech he has the I can't remember what's the the speed technology. See, is that Sandy, which for short, like Sandy Gaston or whatever it's called, the Sandy. Yeah, short, yeah. He's got the Sandy as well, and but uh, he so he's on par with David in that way, but he's lacking the other the other technology, and he's going this face to face with him, and not even like afraid, like he knows he's gonna win. There's not even any doubt, like in his mind that. He's got this in the bag. And yeah. it's like David knows it too. Like it's It's fucking Adam it's Smasher, just, man. It's just a matter of when. The more you say Adam Smasher, the more it make the more you like it, by the way. Adam fucking I, Smasher. I, I, Adam I don't like Smasher. it. No, this nice is like a nineties. This is a nineties uh wrestler. 90s, bro. I mean, <laughs> when you think about when this story was created, yeah, the nineties. Um, and, and when we're talking about David versus Adam, I want you guys to put in the scope, this scope, okay? Adam's been doing this shit since 20, like, so, David's story takes place in 2076. Adam's been doing Merc years for Arasaka since 2020. 2010, 2010. So he's got like 50 plus years of experience going against David. So that's where that confidence, that's where that savagery and just that, you know, that fucking, that, that Adam Smasher comes into, man. I enjoyed him. Other than him fucking, ah, oh, God. It was disgusting seeing him drop. And then you fucking Becca comes out, having a conversation. She's like, oh, why are you interrupting us? And yes, this is the Becca cult. B1, thanks for joining. And then just... Bam, man. It was kind of crazy seeing, like, uh, David, when he's initially fighting uh, up there on top floor of Arasaka, initiates his Sandy, and then Adam Smasher catches on what's going on and has his own Sandy. He's like, dude, dude, dude. He's like, oh, you're Sandy? That's rudimentary for us. It's just like, fuck, man. That's just, that's just another day in the job for that, man. Crazy. What's insane yep. about Adam Smasher is when he's one of the very few people to be essentially full cyborg and not suffer... Uh, from cyberpsychosis. Do they explain that in in the game or anything? Um, no, not really in the game. He's just he's literally built different, man. Like maybe it's from that smashing. I, I'm, there's probably a reason to like a substantial reason for that. I mean, obviously, more people are, are just like David is. Like more people are. Uh, how do you say? Resistant. resistant to it yeah but adam smasher is also like he didn't get all this shit within like a year right like he was just like building himself up little by little by little maybe just like as you would become unaffected by a poison by little doses like how like a, a, a you get a, a booster shot and you go against it kind of like that he was able to get to that point i'm really sure i just know that the boy that man is literally built different yeah b1 Adam Smasher is not relying on any drugs to keep his body together. Exactly. He's just fucking, he's a monster. Literally a bio monster, cyborg. I, Adam Smasher is dope, bro. He's in the game. He, may, he he's, he's a prolific character in the game too as well. Um, yeah, man. Fucking Adam Smasher. Adam Smasher though. It could be just any other name. <laughs> any other name. Just call him Pete or something. I don't care. Not Adam Smasher. Yeah. I don't know, dude. I like Adam Smasher, bro. I'm not gonna lie. I like that well, name. I like Adam Smasher. <laughs> I tell you, once you say it it's enough, you, bro. maybe because I played the game and I've had like all these hours in my head, Adam Smasher. What do you, what what names <laughs> do you want for him? What what name? I think where I'm getting hung up is because I'm thinking about it as if like Adam, not 
not the oh like, you're thinking like the molecule no i'm thinking wait is it i know i was thinking of it as in like the name adam i'm thinking of the and name his adam. last name oh that's even worse dude no <laughs> maybe but now i'm kind of thinking of the molecule that kind of sound maybe it's like a play on words like it's the Adam Smasher, dude. Just fucking. I no, thought it like was Adam. No, it's like Adam's name's Adam, and his last name is Smasher. Oh, that's worse, dude. I no. was thinking it was like splitting the atom, making a nuclear bomb, the group like the biggest weapon atom ever. <laughs> B one says, and Adam now, Smasher. now Sanja you're Adam telling Smasher. me, oh, dude, it's I even mean... worse if it's. Thanks for for watching. Till 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 next time on lunch hours.